Want to know how to be a better parent? We'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Is everybody ready for the Mind Dog to make the show? Start the clock. And welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here, as always. You feel like a crappy parent? <laughs> I think most of us do. Uh, it's hard to learn how to be a, a good parent, and we're going to talk about that today. Uh, if you're looking for me for, for advice on how to be a parent, all I can say uh, from my, my perspective, uh, it's almost like songwriting. And when you know, I come back to the, uh, the anecdote that Glenn Fry told about Bob Seger, he, when he asked Bob Seger, how do you write songs? And Bob Seger said, you just do it, and, and Glenn Price said, well, what if they suck? And Bob Seger said, well, they're going to suck. <laughs> Just keep doing it and you'll get better. Uh, I think that's, for me, <laughs> that's the only advice I could give to parents is just try your best uh, and uh, you'll learn along the way. I, there's no real uh, textbook for how to be a good parent. I wish there were. Uh, and most of us, no matter how good a parent we are or how bad a parent we are, don't feel like we've done a very good job at the end of the day or we could have done better. Uh, so today's show might be enlightening for you if you feel the same way as I do about that. Uh, it's just the hardest job that nobody ever got trained for. Uh, before I bring my guest in who is a who's going to help us figure out uh, how to become better parents, <laughs> uh, I have to talk a little bit about my sponsors. Today's show is sponsored by audiobooksnow.com. Uh, you know about the uh, convenience of audiobooks. Everybody does. You can listen in your car. You can listen while you're doing your uh, menial task. You can, if, if you don't have a job that takes too much brain power, sometimes you can actually listen while you work, and uh, it's very convenient. So why audiobooksnow.com? You can get audiobooks just about any place. Well, uh, the reason, the why, the big why is price point, price point, price point. Audiobooks Now uh, Club Pricing Plan is simply the best deal on audiobooks you'll find anywhere. It offers a savings and flexibility not found anywhere else with their save on everything discounts, rollovers, exclusive offers, loyalty program, incredible selection, and cancel anytime policy. It simply cannot be beat. Plus, you get a free premium audiobook on select files. Uh, if you click the link in the, in the description right now, my special link, you're going to get a 30-day free trial. That's 30 days absolutely free, and you can cancel anytime you want. Uh, please take advantage of that, and please uh, continue to patronize our sponsors. Why not check it out? Free 30-day trial, absolutely uh, no strings attached. You can cancel anytime. 30 days free. Can't beat that. Also, uh, sponsoring today's program is FunWise Capital. You know about FunWise Capital, folks. FunWise Capital is a business lender matching platform that gets you the best lines of credit guaranteed. You can apply on six, uh, online in 60 seconds or less, and there's no effect to your credit to see how much you can get. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. That's right. I did say start. Uh, if you don't have a business yet, but you got a solid business plan, and I don't mean just a whim, but a complete documented, uh, well-documented business plan, uh, including getting together with an accountant and a marketing director and all that kind of stuff, they can help you get funding, get the best 
funding you can qualify for. The strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months, unsecured term loans, loans based on your income, short-term gap funding, and bridge loans. They work with real estate, startups, like I mentioned, franchises, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project. To get started with them, it's really simple. You just go to apply.funwise.com slash dog. That's apply.funwise.com slash dog. I do appreciate you uh, patronizing our sponsors. Now on to the big program for today. Uh, Hunter Clark Fields uh, is a mindful mama mentor. <laughs> Hunter is creator of the Mindful Parenting Course and host of the Mindful Mama podcast, a widely followed author of Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. She helps parents uh, bring more calm and peace into their daily lives. Hunter has over 20 years of experience in practicing medicine, meditation and uh, has taught mindfulness to thousands of people worldwide. Ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears and open your minds and help me welcome in Hunter Clark Fields to the Mind Dog TV podcast. Hunter, welcome. Hey, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Uh, well, it's great to have you here. Now, uh, as I mentioned, parenting is probably the hardest job that, that nobody was ever trained for. And I think a lot of people like me just feel like um, you just do the best you can and, and hope for the best. Uh, wh- where am I wrong in that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's one way to do it. But I think that, you know, there's there's skills and, and, and practices and things to learn that they've developed that have been developed over the last number of years. And Sometimes we don't really, you know, if we don't learn anything and practice anything new, we're just going to kind of by default, like reiterate what happened with our own parents and and what culture is kind of implanted in us. And that may not be what you want. Like a lot of us don't want to um, don't want to like, you know, use like punishments and, and big punishments and threats and have like the the really, con- you know, conflict heavy relationships that they might have had with their own parents when they were kids well i agree with you uh i think unless you're a perfect person you <laughs> uh you're likely not to not to be a perfect role model but and children learn from seeing seeing how their parents navigate the world and and so we kind of emulate that even if in many cases we resent our parents or hate our parents and deep down we have some kind of resentment for them growing up you still end up being turning into them and i i've written a couple of different songs on that uh that i've published over the years where uh it's this idea of um you know it's like a hand-me-down situation and then one of the songs is called hand-me-down and i I talk about parental abuse in in one of those and so that's a a situation that is handed down from generation but Mm -hmm. almost all our behaviors are kind of handed down and so definitely so if we don't have any conscious awareness of it like it's definitely you're definitely gonna just and research bears that out all the research bears out that if you don't do any self-examination, you don't have any self-awareness around this stuff, you're definitely going to repeat the patterns. And, you know, in my own childhood, like, you know, I was spanked by my dad. He had a whole bunch of rage. And then I could see that my own, like, big rage, like, temper was coming out when my daughter was too, which was, like, the whole catalyst for for doing this work. But, but really what Raising Good Humans, like, what we teach in that part of 
part of the process is to to take some time to kind of think back to why is this why is this thing your child's doing like causing such a huge reaction to you right so that you can kind of unpack a little of your own baggage and take care of some of your own wounds so that you're not passing it down to your kids i think that's really imperative on all of us that you know if we don't we don't want to pass on those things that weren't so healthy and wholesome for us then then we need to do some of that that healing and that work ourselves i i i couldn't agree more i think the issue is well and i'm i'm too old to actually have children to raise right now but uh i think even as you get older even you know towards 30s and 40s if you're kind of set in your ways it's really hard to kind of accept that um the, the behavior issues you're seeing maybe in your younger children are are a reflection of yourself and you kind of have to work on yourself first that's a real hard message to tell uh, parents and probably would be met with a lot of defensiveness and and um you know i'm going to reject that idea there's nothing wrong with me I got, it, there's some must be the teachers at school or the kids he's playing with or, or, or she's playing with or something some outside influence it can't be me I think you're right. I mean, it's really hard to like look at that, but I think like what we can agree on, like what I start with parents is like, what can we agree on? Right. And like what we can generally agree on is that we are at our worst in the parenting department when we're like on autopilot reactivity, when we're really reactive, that's when we're at our worst, when we're like feeling good and all our needs are met and everything's cool. Like we're at, we can actually be like really awesome parents, like really present and listening and all that stuff. But when we're triggered and reactive, that's when we're at our worst. So most people can agree that that's when we're at our worst, when we're just like losing it kind of, you know, automatically, that's, that's when we're not doing our best. And, and really those are some of the situations we want to hone in on. Like, how can we, how can we, A, like lower our reactivity, right? And that's where that mindfulness comes in as kind of a long-term strategy for that. Cause it really is amazing. You're right. Like we kind of get set in our ways, but the cool thing is, is that we, we, our brains are really neuroplastic, right? We have neuroplasticity, meaning we can grow and change and it, it, and evolve even when we're in our, you know, the ripe old age of our forties and whatever, you know, whatever age we can grow and change and, and we can start to shift the brain so that we can lower our overall reactivity and, and make practices and plans in place for when we're starting to get reactive and, and starting to practice an alternative response. So that really one of the biggest things that we do is work with parents to understand like when you're losing it, it's not like it's not your fault, right? And you didn't decide. No one was like, oh, I think I'm just going to like freak out at Jenny at four o'clock today. Like no one decided that, right? It's part of our biology our threat response and to when we start to really understand how this threat response works with the brain and how it cuts off access to the the logical empathetic thoughtful problem solving parts of the brain we can really start to see oh and there are practices simple tools and practices we can take to lower that reactivity it really makes things a lot easier and it actually makes like every part of our life better it improves all parts of our lives which is cool ton to unpack there and i don't disagree with anything you said but i have some experience in, in 
what we what we call mindfulness now and i've interviewed a lot of people on this program who are mindfulness coaches and uh i it i'm refreshed to hear that you had a rage issue that you got from your father uh because i i thought that was an exclusively male thing uh i i i had a i had a father who taught me rage uh not intentionally teaching teaching me rage of course he taught me rage by his his behavior now uh, and i've talked to a mindful coach in this about this and the 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 it's easy to see in hindsight that I should have counted to 10 or I, I should have taken a breath. I should have uh, got control of my emotional state and, and, and just taken a pause there. But in that moment of where that rage is triggered or whatever temper tantrum, whatever, we, whatever we're conditioned to, to react with, uh, the mind kind of turns off. So you don't have that split second that it takes to say, wait a minute, step back off. I, at least in my experience, I, I'm full of regret afterwards and I always know what I should have done afterwards. But in that moment, you only have like a nanosecond to really figure out, Hey, I'm, I'm catching myself here. This is, this is the behavior I don't want to model. And, uh, but so that, oh, that nano, nanosecond, how do you, how do you grasp that? Well, no, I, I completely agree because I lived that <laughs> and have lived that. Um, so part of the part of the process, part of what I teach is that I invite people to create practices that will lower that overall reactivity. So, for instance, like so when we're kind of like in a difficult moment with our kids that we're likely to lose it, it's kind of like the equivalent equivalent of like the big game. Right. So if you had a kid who's in Little League, you wouldn't send the kid to the Little League World Series and say to her, like, you're not going to go to any practices. You're not going to learn any skills. You're just going to go to Little League World Series and good luck. Have fun. And that's kind of what we're doing when we say to ourselves, oh, in this really difficult moment where I'm like starting to get really triggered, I'm going to make this other choice. Like we have no chance because that split second reaction happens, just like you talked about. And we haven't practiced at all. We have zero muscle for being able to be less reactive, right? And so that's where those mindfulness practices come in as far as like a daily practice that really helps us to build that muscle overall, 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 bit by bit, kind of like, you know, going to the gym. You're not just going to go do, you know, whatever. You have to do your triceps like three times a week, right? Like <laughs> you, you, it's the same with this non-reactivity muscle. And it actually, what's really cool is actually shrinks like they the research brain scans have shown that an eight-week course of mindfulness training can actually shrink the amygdala which is in the brain stem which is like the fight flight or freeze the seed of that it can actually make it less dense in gray matter and can actually make the prefrontal cortex behind our forehead actually make it more dense in gray matter and it can actually it can actually shrink the connectivity between the amygdala and the rest of the brain. So you're literally making your overall tendency to be less reactive, right? So that's kind of like your first step is like, let's practice this overall game plan and get a little of this mindful muscle, right? This ability to like see what's going on muscle, right? And then I do work with people on like kind of sort of a, a stop yelling formula or whatever it is for them, right? And a couple of different things work for pe different people. Like, so sometimes I say to people like, let's start with step one, like yell more skillfully. <laughs> so if you're gonna yell, instead of like you piece of blah, 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 you say, you yell, 
I'm really angry right now. <laughs> so that's great, right? Because you, then you're like, oh my God, I just yelled, I'm really angry. Ding, ding, ding. I've got to go like take, calm myself down and take care of myself. And you're just like kind of saying how you feel, which is pretty honest and straightforward. At that point, you're not like causing like wounds and stuff in the other person. Does that make sense? Um, yes, it makes sense. But I have a proclivity for the ridiculous. And so uh, when you say practicing these things, I'm thinking almost like you have to get into the situation that triggers you. Uh, to understand how to deal with it. And so being in like almost a, a drill of we're going to get you to the point where you are, where you have that reaction. So you can on purpose to kind of make you aware of how you react in that moment and maybe change it. Now I know in my, in my case, if that, if that's true, and that's what we're talking about, that could have been a dangerous thing uh, when I was young because I was, I never hit anybody, but I, I, broke a lot of things <laughs> including my my fist a couple of times and walls and te televisions and windshields and things like that so um you, that can be a very expensive and difficult learning <laughs> process <laughs> well, that is something that i do with people is that actually you do a, a guided visualization right where you visualize that last time you were super triggered and you get yourself right up to the moment where you're about to lose it and then you practice practice in your you know visually like in your mind staying non-reactive in that moment it feels like it's so hard like it's like it's like you've been driving for five, 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 five hours on the new jersey hike and you have to pee and you go to pee and then someone's this suddenly you have to stop peeing right midstream like that's like how hard it is right but it's possible and <laughs> as you <laughs> i don't know about that <laughs> maybe but anyway you you practice it as you practice it in the mind it actually builds that it actually builds like those neural networks, right? They start to like connect and it becomes more possible. But some of the other things that we do also too is we start to uh, name that reactivity. There's a thing that um, research researchers called name it to tame it. So we start to like kind of just name what's going on for, for us further down that path of getting so riled up, right? So. I'm starting to feel really frustrated right now. I'm starting to get really annoyed right now, right? And and as we name those things, it it actually provides some relief in the brain, but it also is like this like again this bell of mindfulness to say, "Oh, I'm in that I'm in this I'm in the build up, right? I'm in that moment that I was in before." If I'm saying like I'm really frustrated right now, and then you start to like say, "Okay, I need to take a break to take care of myself for a moment, right? Like I need to come back to this at a later time. And so you can start to do that kind of earlier down in the timeline before you're at like, I'm going to break the phase, you know? So. Right. Um, it, is there such a thing with this stuff as like a one size fits all? And I'll explain what I mean by that. Uh, I've done a lot of work on myself and continue. I'm a work in progress, of course, like everybody is, but done a lot of work on myself for these reactions and not just specifically to parenting, but in parenting too. Uh, but the, the idea that every time I, every reaction that I have that I don't, I don't want to, the things I want to change about the way I react, emotional reactions or, you know, triggered reactions um 
it's driven by some fear of something. So, and and in post, you know, diagnosing it, it in after the fact, I always have to say, what 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 was I afraid of in that moment? And uh, because there is, in my case anyway, fear that drove every single you know over the top emotional reaction to that. Is that true with everybody, or is it is it different for everybody? I, I wouldn't say it's the same with everybody. I definitely think there are a lot of fears like that's a really normal, common response. People have a lot of different things going on for them. And, and that's why it's really helpful to like, you know, we talk about this in, in chapter two of Raising Good Humans, like to kind of trace back, you know, for some people, it's like, like for some for, for some women, for instance, like there's this perfectionist thing, like they were only you know, they were kind of loved conditionally. They were loved when they were good and they were perfect and everything was tidy and blah, blah, blah. So if a child spills some orange juice on the floor, it's like, oh my God, how could you do that? You know, it feels much bigger than, it's just orange juice on the floor. Like it's a not a big deal, but it feels much bigger inside. So it really is really important. I mean, I think, sometimes I think like, like six months alone with like a toddler <laughs> is better than like, you know, a lifetime on top of a mountaintop seeking enlightenment because kids are just like, show you your issues. You know, they're like, you, you can think you're, <laughs> you know, you're an adult that you're getting along in the world pretty well. But kids will say, oh, you know, show you like, this is what I need to work on. And this is what I need to work on. And this is what I need to work on. And I think that's really healthy in a lot of ways, because as we start to say, oh, gosh, I'm suffering in this way. I'm having this difficulty in this challenge. And we can start to practice to offer ourselves some compassion and start to heal some of these things in ourselves. It makes a, it can, if we can, if we can be brave enough to do that work, you know, then we can, it's kind of like a two for one deal, right? Because then we have more compassion for our kids. We can be, as we can be more present for all the difficulties that we have ourselves, we can be more present for our kids and allow them to have their own difficulties without trying to make them like act perfect or or fix them or have the perfect behavior so i'm okay does that make sense yeah it does make sense but uh, I, I hate to sound like a broken record or go all the way back to the beginning now but the biggest issue with what you just talked about is awareness and and self-awareness for the parent to, or uh, or the adult to say the problem starts with me and I have issues I need to work on. And so we come back to that, you know, for the first step is awareness. And often in, in, you know, I know it's not the case now where there's two parent households all the time, but often when there are two parent house, households, the defensiveness is, I'm going to say it's you and you're going to say it's me. And, and so we get the, the finger pointing thing and I, I'm reluctant to kind of, look at myself and say yeah i have some issues that i need to work on because at the end of the day it's really not about the kids it's about the people raising the kids working on their issues <laughs> yeah yeah i think so i mean i guess when you're dealing with defensiveness and 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 sometimes we have like people in the mindful parenting membership and then their spouses are like deal, some dealing with some defensiveness once one of the best thing you know you 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 think about what approaches can work right like so sometimes it's helpful for people to have a way into this to think like oh it's actually just much more effective parenting 
to not yell at my kids and and then they actually want to cooperate with me a lot more. So it's actually very simply more effective, right? So sometimes that is a way in because when we yell at kids and, and we have this really you know combative relationship, kids are very resistant to everything we say. So it doesn't it's not very effective, right? So so sometimes that's a way in. Sometimes what at least I've seen in the membership is that some one partner starts to like do this work, starts to calm their reactivity, starts to communicate differently with their child and they start to get a little more connection and they get more cooperation and you know the temperature is lowered and it's a little easier for that partner. And so the other partner's like, so what are you doing over there? <laughs> you know, yeah. how do I how do I do with this thing that you were doing? And I think that I mean, at the end of the day, like we want better for our kids, a lot of us, than we had ourselves, right? Like that that's a driving motivator for a lot of people. And so it's so that can be a motivator to then look at yourself and say, oh, why am I reacting this way? How can I offer myself some compassion and things like so that. Sometimes it's like, if I'm doing it for my kids, that can be a motivator to say, to, to have a little more awareness and a little bit more open-mindedness about these things. And I think that culturally we're moving in that direction, right? Of not saying, trying to say like, oh, I'm a perfect person to the world. It, like no one believes that anyone's perfect. Like, <laughs> no. Well, unfortunately, anymore. <laughs> unfortunately, I think you you may be a little bit incorrect in that. I think social media, uh, in particular, has gotten people to buy into everybody else's per perfect because they they put up a false facade, and you and people tend to believe it uh, a lot and judge themselves against other people's false advertising of of how perfect their lives are. And I, I'm seeing that kind of. Uh, become grow exponentially as 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 social media grows uh, more exponentially, and and people start to put out this fake version of themselves to the public as advertisement, almost of this is the perfect person I am. I think people do, but uh, uh, to your point, now uh, responding to the answer you just gave, I think all that stuff is you're right on with all that, but I think you're assuming um best best intentions now what i mean by that is not every parent has that that best intention of wanting uh the children to have their best better life than it we've we're seeing a lot of accidental parenting now uh people who you know i i talked to a lady who had 10 kids and never intended to have any uh, oh my uh I, yeah right but i think for a lot of a lot of people now the world has become such a selfish and uh, self-driven place that people have children and then they feel like I'm going to do the responsible thing, but it's always with a little bit of resentment because it's not the life they wanted. Uh, so in cases like that, I think all, all the things you talked about go out the window because those best intentions, uh, other than trying to raise good, ch good children and be responsible about it, the intentions of really caring about the quality of that child's life and really understanding that you know you're responsible for a whole other life right now it's kind of not always the case am i wrong there's every kind of person out there in the world but i don't think that's going to stop me from trying to help the people who really no, care I, I'm do better. I'm you know I mean? like, it's there there's always every kind but you know we i think a that a huge a lot of people really want to do better for our kids and i think we have this opportunity right like we have 
we now have these like amazing tools. We have all this research. We know things, you know, things that work and things that don't work. And, and what, at least what I see as my work is to like help tip the balance, you know, towards, towards bringing this. So I do a, like a teacher training, a mindful parenting teacher training. And I have people in like Australia and someone in, you know, people in Texas and the, the woman in Texas, like she's saying like, you know, like everyone in my town, like it's very like spare the rod, you know, kind of parenting and, and, but she's going to like create that mindful parenting course in that town and create, start to create that culture there. Right. So I think that we can, you know, we can only do the, you know, I feel for me, it's like a mission, right. To do that work and to like share this like good medicine that was incredibly healing for my family. Like I was like, screaming at my kid and like I was scaring her and it was just not what I wanted and and to take this good medicine of like pairing mindfulness with skillful communication like they these things need to come together so we can lower our reactivity we can have great relationships like it you know it didn't have to be like with my own father like we had like a decade at, when I was in my 20s where it was really strained and hard and it wasn't a great relationship because it was so, there was so much anger and difficulty and stuff when I was like a teenager, right? And it didn't have to be that way. Like we can learn practices and tools to make things better and have strong relationships for life. I mean, I think it's possible. I guess I'm kind of optimistic. Well, that's good. And I applaud your optimism and uh, I applaud your mission 100%. And I am not trying in any way to be <laughs> negative or, or, or to the point where trying to dissuade you in any way from carrying on that mission. I'm just presenting some of the challenges that I see in hope that you might have some insights on how to deal with those challenges. Now, uh, there's a couple of things I want to uh, bring up about that. And there's, uh, it's important to start this when children are Children develop habits and, uh, and behavior patterns very, very young. And, and they see it modeled very young. And so I'm wondering, if, if, in some cases, is it too late? To, like, what age is... Uh, like beyond, <laughs> has the damage been done to the point where there's not much you can do anymore? Is there that point, breaking point? No, there totally isn't. But you're right. Like behavior patterns are formed really, really young. So it is nice to kind of do this work. Like when your child's like, you know, like maybe like one and a half or two, where you're starting to get some, you know. And what that, about when like, your child's thirty? Okay, no, but that's just right. So I taught. <laughs> I did um I did a course of mindful parenting in my local community with a low with there was a, gr a grant that was written for me to teach it to this low income community and it was really great like and there was this grandmother in there who was in there because she was spending a lot of time taking care of her 6-year-old grandson and so at the very end she says oh and I've had these like uh you know it's been you know I've had these successes and different things with the, my grandson she said but the most meaningful thing she said to me about this was that I healed my relationship with my adult daughter. And she healed her relationship with her adult daughter using the tools of mindfulness and skillful communication. And I just felt like, yes, I mean, the, the tools are, they're not like super complex. They're really pretty simple, but they're really powerful. And they, and they can be used in, in lots of different ages, right? They're not like kind of specific for like a five-year-old or whatever. These are actually like universal tools that you can use with any age. And so people see like relationships with their partners, like improving and things like that too. But, but yeah, no, you could do it with your 30-year-old. 
Yeah. Well, well, part of <laughs> part part of um, any scientific experiment, and this really is a scientific experiment, if you if you want to break it down to that on on how to raise better humans, uh, the problem with it is you're not going to see the results for 25 years. Right? Well, <laughs> you you could see some incre- incremental results, but you don't really know uh, if the if a person is a, a a whole adult and a better adult than they might have been until they become an adult, which is a generation. So it's difficult to measure uh, some of the success of this stuff, is it not? Yeah, I mean, I think though, what one of some of the things parents want, right, is we want to we want like we want less yelling, we want more cooperation, right? Like those are kind of two things that we kind of want, and so we can measure like in ourselves, we can see like, oh, am I yelling less am i less reactive so from that point of view of ourselves we can start to like look at that and really examine that and a lot of times it's interesting with the mindfulness practices a lot of times the partner will say wow you're so much calmer these days than you were before you started doing this crazy meditation thing like they will they'll say that and the the meditator themselves won't realize it but um but people can see can get see results like as far as more cooperation with their kids very quickly you know um it depends on how much like resistance you you, the kid is used to resisting you or whatever but yeah you can get um results as far as like just more cooperation and more ease in your house pretty quickly um one of the challenges that you face in kind of um bringing this stuff to, to more more light is um the proclivity of people to have their kids diagnosed as ADHD, whatever that, ADHD, whatever the attention deficit things are, and and medicate them. So we have a child who's now uh, having some behavior problems. The inclination is let's get them on some drugs, let's put them on Ritalin, whatever they're prescribing these days. I think that's a challenge. And, and, for most parents, that seems like a quick and easier fix than than all the things that you talk about. Am I wrong in that? I'm not an expert on ADHD, but although I have a lot of people who have ADHD kids in the membership, and um, you know, I don't, I, I guess I wouldn't assume that it's an easy decision for parents to 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 make that choice. You know, as far as whether to medicate their kids or not, I think that's probably a really hard decision for a lot of parents. But I don't think that they are mutually exclusive. Like if a child has ADHD and is either unmedicated for that or medicated, I I don't think that excludes any of the work as far as like lowering our own reactivity and learning better communication skills. Mm, Yeah, um, I'm not sure uh, I agree with you on the... uh, For some parents, it might be a difficult decision, but I think the, the... at least the world that I've seen over the last 60 some odd years, uh, we tend to negate our uh, responsibility and, and uh, kind of put it, you know, a lot of uh, parents want to think that school teachers are responsible for, for raising their kids. And, and, you know, we just kind of put off that idea of, you know, it's not our responsibility. And I, I do see a lot of people uh, happy, not happy, but uh, quick to put their kids on drugs. And and the diagnosis is all they need to say, 
I'm see, I'm not such a bad parent. The kids got something chemically wrong with them. Uh, and it's an excuse and a, and a buyout and a cheap way out. Uh, but I, I appreciate all your insight on that. Now, when you talk about all this stuff, your book, is it a practical guide or, or is, or are you talking about, you know, these concepts? Are there actual exercises that people can say, okay, this is, it's all laid out for me. This is what I need to do step by step or explain. Oh, to yeah. Me yeah. It's full of exercises. Every chapter has exercises that are designed to help you lower reactivity, et cetera. Um, how to help you take care of your emotions, how to even adjust your environment, how to, how to practice different communication strategies, all that stuff. Like it's definitely all very practical in there. And I think that, you know, I think that it's, definitely a, a great starting place. Sometimes I think we need, we put a lot on ourselves. We say like, oh, I'm going to read a book and then I'm going to make these changes. And sometimes it's hard. It's really hard for humans to make changes without support and like guidance and all those different things. So, you know, so um, I see it as like, as like an incredible, you know, as like a, as like a let dive in, learn, and then also get the support you need to actually make like those changes happen if it's not happening for you just on your own kind of, you know, individualistically. Can you you give us, uh, and I don't want to, I don't want you to give away the whole book, obviously, but um, the idea of these examples, can you give us a baby step, small example for, for the audience of what an exercise might look like? Sure. Yeah. So like one of the big principles uh, that I teach in Raising Good Humans about mindful parenting is like this principle of acknowledgement. Okay. So acknowledgement means that it just like provides relief for you and for the other person to just acknowledge what's really happening, to kind of say out loud what's really happening, kind of like that name it to tame it I talked about before. But it's a step that we really often skip with our kids. We want to like... um just if they have a problem, for instance, like we want to just skip to like solve that problem and make it go away and stuff like that. But just the step of like, oh, you're really upset right now. Or, oh, I'm feeling I'm I'm really, you know, I've been really frustrated recently. That step of acknowledging what's happening. If you if I you know, if there was a child that, you know, who was really upset and you said, gosh, you're, this, this is hard for you. You're really upset about whatever, your favorite pen being broken, right? This really is tough. You know, we kind of think like the kids, things kids are upset about are just stupid because they're just, we're, you know, we're not, at, we're not four or whatever, right? But because they're upset, like we, they're upset, you know, there's no, there's no reason to dismiss those feelings. So if we can acknowledge whatever's happening, then it gives the the child like this real sense of being seen and heard like, oh, yeah, like a relief, like it takes that emotional temperature down of like, oh, you get me, you see me, you hear me. So, um, you know, and you can do it for yourself. Like, I'm feeling really grumpy right now, you know, and sometimes that's just nice to so you can like give the other person a heads up and then you can like, acknowledge for yourself. So acknowledgement is like a, a practice that's in there and uh, probably in the first chapter just to just to help us to just to, it's, it's so simple. And it's like a great reminder. And it really helps a lot and of situations. What am I feeling right now? Is that is that the just uh, 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 you know, what what what's my state of mind right now? 
Yeah, like acknowledging like what's going on for you, what's going on for the other person, you know, like, boy, you seem confused or I'm feeling really confused or all of those things like that just provides this relief in this context of like, oh, we're all very clear and understanding and I'm seeing you and I'm hearing you. Right. Does your um, book and what you what you teach in practice, does it um, scale well to single parenthood? Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, single parenthood is so tough. I mean, right. I mean, parenthood in general, I mean, I feel like we're way too isolated and individualized, especially today, obviously. But um, but yeah, I mean, sing, you know, one of the things I invite people to do is create their own meditation practice. And a lot of people are like, Oh, my God, that's crazy. I don't have time to do that. But like, we have time for like, to spend three minutes on social media, right? Or five minutes on social media. If you all, time day, for that, all day, all day, 24 you hours. Have time, <laughs> you have time to find a few moments to, you know, and, and I think that one of the things that I really encourage parents to do is realize that your needs are just as important as your kids' needs, and you have to take care of your needs as well. And that can be really hard for single parents. But but sometimes we need a little push to like think outside of the box and get creative and not just say, oh, I'm stuck in this situation, but like, okay, are there any homeschool kids around the neighborhood that can come play with my kid for three hours while I'm doing some things or whatever? You know what I mean? Like we can be a little bit more creative sometimes about our solutions, how to meet our needs. Well, uh, the overused analogy on what you just talked about is taking care of yourself uh, is, is the uh, airplane model where oh, people, yeah. people talk about you got to put the mask on yourself first before you can, before you can give somebody else oxygen. Uh, there's a lot of validity to that. I know that that is an overused uh, analogy to the point where it's become cliche now. Uh, but uh, to, to the point about it's not always it's not always the parent that is the bad influence on the kids. Cause you just mentioned, you know, sure. the, 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 the other children around them or playmates or whatever, uh, that can be a problem in itself. So, and, um, it, it's not, might not be as evident where, so, you know, especially if you're not watching your kids come, you know, 24 seven while they're having these social interactions with other children. So how does that play into, all of this. You're right. I mean, social interactions make a huge, it, it can make a huge impact on kids. And I mean, I know what my daughter, my oldest daughter's 13 right now. So, but the, I think that going back to like having a strong connected relationship with the parent, that if we can create that strong connected relationship from as much as we can, as best we can from our end, then we, we give our child more support. You know, we, our child is then more open to our support and our influence throughout their life. So the more parents use um, like power, like I'm going to take away your your screen time if you do X, right? The more we do that, the more kids resent their parents and the less influence we have, right? But the more, the, the more we use more skillful means, then and that that don't use that power the more we can retain that influence through adolescence and not necessarily have that like teen rebellion right that we kind of think is normal but i i say it's like a lot of it i mean yeah teens need to separate but but 
they don't i think mo the teen rebellion that we've been thinking about in the past is actually like kids rebelling against destructive patterns from their parents um, right so i think we can the more we can like make our relationship strong and solid and connected then the more influence we have in those tricky matters i i agree i definitely agree with that now uh, th this is where the program gets controversial and i'm going to get a lot of hate mail um <laughs> Over the past couple of decades, I've, uh, you know, people react negatively to this, the kind of parenting you're talking about. Some people are old school people. Well, the kids today are bad because they, my parents, you know, my, my parent got out the belt buckle and we knew what that meant. And, and a lot of people are pro, uh, spankings and, and physical, uh, punishment and things like that sounds to me like you're not in agreement with that and i i would tend to be on that side as well but i know it is a lot of um belief that the problems we're facing today is that their kids are not disciplined enough you, you, you're yeah i mean people may anecdotally believe that because they want to justify what was maybe done to them in their childhood or maybe the way they raise their kids. But the research is truly unequivocal about that, that any kind of uh, corporal punishment, any kind of um, any kind of hitting, all, all that stuff, it actually makes kids like more likely to act out, more likely to use drugs, more likely to be really to, to have huge behavior problems and and all kinds of problems in their life than if kids who weren't given corporal punishment. It, it really doesn't work. And even, um, you know, it's interesting because like even things like, you know, people, I know the whole thing about punishment is really fascinating because I remember thinking like, oh, you know, when my daughter was two, I remember think I remember we met some new neighbors and I had, was really fascinated about parenting at that point, like uh, clearly. And, and I heard and I found out from them they didn't use timeouts. I was like, oh, my goodness, don't they want their child to like, I want to have my child like listen to me and respect me and all that stuff. And that I so I know that way of thinking. But it's really interesting to realize that like, so say you have a child who has what you see this like bad behavior, right? Like a, an older sibling hits a younger sibling. If you put that older sibling, that that child in like timeout, not only are, do you have to stand there and like, get back to the step, get back to the step. Like it's a pain in the butt. You have to, you have to really be the enforcer of that, which sucks. But the, what happens for that child is that then they resent you. They're not sitting there feeling so bad about what they did. They're like, wow, I did, I'm mommy or daddy is making me hurt right now. And I'm mad at them. I resent them. So it actually makes them less likely to want to cooperate with you in the future. But if you go in that situation and yeah, you protect obviously that younger child, but you start to think, bring that awareness to like, why was this older child doing this? What do I need? So it's interesting because the word discipline ultimately stems from the, the same word as the word disciple, right? Someone who right. learns and follows. And so when we need to, when we're disciplining, we actually need to teach our kids. So if we, if we put them in timeout, we're not teaching them anything. We're actually just teaching them to resent us. But if we can say, 
why did my child hit this, my other child? What's going on? What tools does my child need in that moment, right? Like if my child, if you're really upset, what are some things we can do? How can we figure this out? What can you do if you're so upset your sibling that you want to hit? How can we work this out in the future? Like instead of, you, you know, if you put that child in the timeout, they're not learning any of those skills at all. But if you can say, okay, this happened, this is sucks everybody's so upset oh my gosh let's then teach the older child how to handle situations how to handle their big feelings all that stuff rather than just tell them they're a bad person does that make sense yes it, it does and i love your optimism but i, I always have to, i have to find the holes in, in every theory sure. and, and <laughs> uh, uh your theory uh assumes intelligence on part on the part of the parent often and and i don't mean just emotional intelligence but that's part of the package as well so uh unfortunately in america and or everywhere in the world i say i don't want to uh, you know single out America, but this is the life I live. This is the life I know. We have a lot of uh, below average intelligence people who become parents and certainly uneducated people who become parents. So uh, all the things you're talking about, I think, assume a certain level of intelligence and education on the part of a parent. And that's not always the case. Uh, am I wrong? <laughs> Well, you know, there's different kinds of intelligence. So if you, it does, I guess what I teach does uh, be, is predicated on the fact that you care, right? Right. Like, Caring is important. Yeah. yeah. So if you, if you care, if you care about like wanting your kids to do better than you and, you know, then you, I, and you have that, that interest, right? Intelligence really varies depending on interest level <laughs> you know you i'm like really unintelligent about football like i am so dumb about football because i could care less but i'm really intelligent about some certain things about the way humans react and things like that and so if you really care about your kids then that process of become of learning then becomes more important to you so I think that I think that humans are it depends on what you're motivated by. Like if you're motivated by really caring and wanting your kids to do better, then you're motivated to learn. Right. Well, I agree with you on about 90 percent of what you just said. Now, I believe that everybody, every single human being possesses some genius in some area and they could be book smart and uh, book dumb, completely book dumb, but be a genius in other areas of their life. And they could have just parts where they just shine and have, have an uncanny uh, intelligence towards any specific type of, um, you know, practice or, or study or any of that stuff. But I also, I don't think necessarily interest uh, will 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 be the deciding factor there. I know lots of people who are really interested in music, but they have no talent for it. And the the more they try, the more it becomes <laughs> apparent that your, your interest is not going to be enough to to uh, ever develop into what we call genius or talent or any of that stuff. So I, I agree with you and and. For the most part, on that point, though, uh, the more the more interested you are in becoming a better parent, the better chances you are of developing better parental skills. But I do think, you know, there there's just uh, 
a level of intelligence in some people. And, I, you know, when you talk about caring, I think most people would say, well, most people would, would say the words, I want my children to have a better life than I do. And I don't want to get political here, but I'll use this as an example. It's a political example. When I talked about the current agenda of the, the outgoing administration in, in, in politics, they always talked about it. making America great again was manufacturing jobs and i ask people you know raise your hands if you want your kids to grow up in a to be factory workers and almost nobody is going to raise their hand for that but they all support the idea that that's the key to making america great again is manufacturing jobs so i think it's easy to say yes i want the best for my children but when it comes down to practicality they go the other way and and so i'm not sure that Intent is always is always the the, the answer. <laughs> Does that make well, sense to you? It, yeah, it definitely makes sense to me. It's I think it's just that's the driver, right? Like is like what I think it's helpful to know. Like what do you really want, right? Like what ultimately do you really want? You know, do you for your for your kids or for yourself or whatever? And then what you practice grows stronger. Like yeah, you might never be like an amazing concert pianist but maybe you can learn to like play all the the christmas songs so you can play them yeah, for your family yeah, right, right. Like, or like i know that i know that i can't you know if i wanted to i could take guitar lessons and learn how like actually it's like an aspiration i have at some point to be like a kind of a casual strummer so i could like play a couple songs like around a campfire right like i would love to do that and so but I know that with practice and the right training, I can get there. It is just part of it is that intention and that drive, right? Like that's the that's the start, the spark for it. Right. So I and I I agree that you know what, uh, even if we're not going to ever be a perfect parent, and I think we can agree that there is no such thing as a perfect parent. Uh, the the goal to become a better parent no matter how much better you can you can be a, a little bit better is is a it's a big improvement, right? Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So, I, um, but when you talk about mindfulness and especially when you use the word meditation, you're going to turn off a lot of people who think, well, that's just too new agey stuff for me. You know, that's, uh, that, you know, what, what's next? Do I'm going to have to get crystals and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, do you, do you encounter any of that or no people who, who tend to read your book or listen to your podcast or talk to you personally for, uh, about these things are more open to that to begin with? I find people are more open that to that, to begin with. I mean, there's a lot of research now about it. I know there's people who feel that way, but the funny thing is like meditation has been, is like, like it's been really successful. Like it's in the prisons, like prisoners are using it and they're creating, having less reactivity and the CEOs and like the basketball teams, right? Like uh, the Chicago Bulls, they had meditation. Mom, George Mumford taught them meditation is maybe one of their like secret ingredients, right? <laughs> it's like George Mumford teaching meditation to the Chicago Bulls. But it really wow. is being used in a, so many different areas to because it's just really practical and the research like that's amazing like johns hopkins had uh did a meta-analysis of 47 different studies that showed that um a mindfulness meditation practice uh lowers anxiety lowers depression increases feelings of well-being um increases health outcomes in quality of sleep all these different things so it's really becoming apparent 
and 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 increases impulse control, right? Like importantly for us parents, um, it's all becoming really apparent. I mean, there's like zero side effects, like to sitting still for five to ten minutes every day. There's zero side effects, but we do. You're right. Like we have an aversion to that because we're just we're wired for survival, right? We're wired to like go and plan and do the next thing like that. But I don't know. I kind of think of it as like a parental brain hack, you know, like <laughs> that, yeah. that you just sit still. And it's not like when you sit still and meditate, like rainbow sparkles come shooting out of your ears, you know, like everyone thinks like, oh, it's kind of, you know, you don't have to put your hands like that. Like I put my hands in my lap. Um, and what happens is it's not like you feel this amazing feelings of peace as soon as you sit still, like, you know, stuff comes up, like you get distracted, anxiety comes up, all these different things. But as you sit with it, it settles, right? Like it's like the, it's like the mud in a dirty pond, like that you've walked through gets stirred, the water starts, the mud starts to settle and you start to have some more clarity and you start to have all those amazing benefits. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it's being used in more and more different places. So it's it's really kind of gaining more traction, I think, because it just works and it's there's zero side effects. I mean, there's not nothing to go wrong with it. Right. Well, one thing that podcasting has taught me is listen deeper. And what I just heard in your answer there uh, and uh, is, is an important thing. Now, you mentioned caring and all that stuff. Um, but w what we're really talking about here is managing expectations uh, because for, for a lot of people would get into this thinking meditation or, or mindfulness is going to be a quick cure and so managing those expectations of how it's supposed to work and how those baby step incremental changes are and you may not see anything your first you know if i go one one, one time in meditation and oh, i don't feel any different I, i'm gonna give especially if i i am uh i have preconceived notions that are negative towards you know new age crap and all that kind of stuff so managing those expectations of how long you it might take to for you to ac actually experience change or what or how slow some of this uh processing works sometimes is an important uh, factor in getting people to uh practice it more diligently or or over a longer period of time right Oh, absolutely. One of my favorite books about this, like for non meditators is uh, Dan Harris's book, like 10% happier, right? I'm just he says I'm 10% happier. And it's meditation for fidgety skeptics. And I think that's, that's really, I, I would go with 1% for a lot of people, because yeah, <laughs> people need really to manage those expectations sometimes really, you know, set your goals low, so you can achieve them. So you can set yourself up for success. And I, I think you're already set up for success because if we talk about people care if caring is the most essential ingredient in this it's not the only ingredient but if it's the most essential the most important one people who are going to listen to you read your books listen to your podcast all that stuff they've already decided they care enough by the time they get to you right so you're set up for success <laughs> Well, but that's why I say one one percent is a good way to set yourself up for you set your goal. Your first goal should be set pretty low so you can achieve it and say, yeah, that worked. OK, now I'll go for three percent or five percent or make, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like building a muscle is a really good analogy because like you, you don't see anything results from going to the gym once like nothing. Right. It's something you have to do 
you know, on a regular basis, daily, you know, weekly, steady throughout the weeks to be able to be able to see some results. And sometimes it takes a really long time to be able to feel the feeling of like more energy or better sleep. Like going to the gym is a great analogy for that. I mean, for me, it's interesting to think about meditation because some people think like, you know, I've been, so I've been practicing meditation now for like 15 years. And, um, you know, some people think like, oh, you know, I'm not going to have like any problems. I'm not gonna have any anxieties or whatever. And that's not true. But what is true is that I catch them really quick and I recover much faster from all of that stuff. So I'm not like a lot of what meditation really helps with is to like, we kind of get lost in a spiral of, of rumination, of thinking and stuff like, and it helps us to like interrupt that spiral and to say, okay, actually what's real right now? What's real here? And to have a real, a better awareness of what's really happening. And for me, the biggest motivator for me, a lot of it like really is my kids and, and being really present for them and and just really anyone you love you know if you think about how our how we work on a normal basis right like like our brains are on autopilot like we're thinking about going to cancun in two months we're planning dinner we're like oh my god my foot itches you know and like my back is a little sore blah 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 blah, blah. but like when we're with people like that's still going and like our we're not really there right we're not really present i mean not that you're gonna stop thinking like that setting expectations i'll just do that like your, your brain thinks like your ears here, like you're, we're not stopping any thinking here, but we're just getting a better relationship with it. But just to, to go back to this idea, like of being present, I think is so interesting. Like for me, this, I have this big motivator and one of my teachers has been uh, the Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh. And he has a quote that really drives me. And he says, um, when you love someone, the best thing you can offer is your presence. How can you love if you are not there? Right. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, like w we want to be there for this time that goes so fast, you know, and, and and then if we can be a lot less reactive to like, yes, good. <laughs> right. Well, I could use this moment for, for a shameless self-promotion, but I won't. But uh, what, what you're talking about there is uh, what I call living in the moment and being, you know, being in the moment, not, you know. And I, I, I said I could use this as a selfish uh, promotion because I, I have written uh, a CD that my, my latest CD is called Living in the Moment. But it's all about this idea of um, tomorrow is a promise that m might never come in yesterday's history. So we have to be right in the here and now. I, although we are always going to be pulled into thinking about what happened yesterday or what might happen tomorrow. It's important that, and that's a practice too, of just saying, I need to be here now and don't worry about later and, and kind of be with the, you know, you're with the people you love now, spend that time with them now and don't be thinking about other, try to keep your focus on here and now. Tough thing to do, but I think it's really, really, really important. Back to you now, and I want to talk about. So you have the book out called uh, "Raising Good Humans: A Mindful Guide to Breaking the Cycle of Re uh, Reactive Parenting and Raising Kind, Confident Kids." That's available on your website, 
Yes, uh, and, or it's available anywhere books are sold, really. Uh, we have some bonuses you can get on my website. Okay, and the link will be in the description, of the, and it's been scrolling down there, mindfulmamamentor.com. <laughs> Probably, I'm guessing you didn't have to fight to get that domain name. Uh, and you have a podcast now. The podcast is also called Mindful Mama Podcast, yes? Yep, yep. Uh, we have like 255 episodes and counting. So it's How, how often does it come out? Once a week. And the people should go to your website to find that or just go to their wherever they listen to podcasts? Sure. You can find both places. Okay. Yeah. And also on your website, I'm seeing a work with me. Now, what, what is that all about? So I have the Mindful Parenting membership and people can like, so if they're inspired by the ideas and raising good humans, they want to get like live guidance. They want to ask questions in real time, right? And they want the support of other people. Like, because sometimes you're in a, community that doesn't support this kind of thinking and you get the support of hundreds of people around the world then then there's the mindful parenting membership right do do both parents have to get involved when they work with you or, or do uh, or do you suggest it or has it work i have worked with both parents and but most of the time it's just one parent does that um, cause, does yeah. that cause um sometimes conflict between parents like uh especially like and I know couple couple relationships can be very complicated in the world today. But let's say we got we got married, and I'm very conservative. You're very liberal. I mean, with ideas. I don't mean politically. I mean towards ideas, towards new age stuff, meditation, whatever you want to call it. And and now the the mother says she wants to work with you. This sounds like great stuff. Goes to the husband and say, uh, yeah, it's about mindfulness and meditation. And uh, what are you getting involved in that kooky crap for? <laughs> do, do you see any of that? And then do you ever have to kind of get involved in the resolution of that or, or coach somebody how to have that discussion with a significant other about it? I mean, I, I, it has got arisen. The, the question has arisen. Um, but the, what's cool is that the same skills that we can use with our kids, we can use with our partners, right? They're actually just universal skills to be able to like communicate more effectively. So. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, well, I, I thank you for putting up with my, um, uh, I don't want to call it negativity because I'm just, I'm, I, I'm naturally curious about this stuff and I generally want to see the world get better. I just, I, my, my nature is to look for where, where, where this might not work. That's how, that's how I analyze things in the universe. So whenever I hear any of these kind of stuff, I kind of look for, yeah, that sounds great, but. <laughs> what if, what if uh, i get a lot of that i thank you for putting up with that and it's been an informative and insightful hour and i wish you great success and i thank you for coming thank you so much matt it's been a real pleasure and i really really appreciate this Sa same here i i enjoyed the conversation tremendously and i my my true hope is that somebody will benefit from this and uh anybody who is struggling with this stuff will reach out to you and kind of uh look to take the first step and if that happens please please let me know that we made a difference somehow you just send me an email and say yeah i've gotten some good response from this whatever happens but uh please let me know that we've made a difference because that that's the that's the whole point of all this stuff so oh yeah that's yeah. the best <laughs> thank you so much Th thank you have a great day and bye for now this episode is brought to you by put me in the story put me in the story creates personalized books for kids by taking best-selling children's picture books and well-loved characters and allowing you to create personalized books that make your child the star of the story alongside their favorite characters. 
Save 25% store-wide when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code SAVE25. We're also sponsored by Lovely. Lovely is your online stop for modern, irresistible, and affordable women's clothing. Never before has dressing yourself been so easy. Lovely's carefully curated selection of apparel, accessories, and outerwear are always on trend and always available at the web's best prices. Lovely is dedicated to delivering high-quality clothing to women that will make them look and feel their best. They believe every woman has the right to dress well and shouldn't have to spend a lot to love how she looks. They make it easy to wear outfits you love every day, giving you the confidence to take on the world. Lovely.com summer fashion trends are now 40% off, starting at just $5.99. Get an extra 18% off when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code JFT18. We're also sponsored by VaporDNA. Founded in 2013, VaporDNA is the premier online vape store offering an industry-leading selection of electronic cigarettes, e-liquids, and accessories. Their friendly and knowledgeable customer service team is always ready to provide the best customer service experience to ensure you find what you're looking for. They guarantee their products to be 100% genuine and at the lowest possible price. They're so confident in their selection and customer service, they offer their customers a 45-day refund policy. Save 20% when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code ORIONQ. Hunt o'clock field, everybody. Uh, again, the book is called, uh, what is the, <laughs> Raising Raising Good Humans, A Mindful Guide to Breaking the Cycle of Reactive Parenting and Raising Kind, Competent Kids. It's available on her website, which the link will be in the description. I hope you will check it out. I hope you got something uh, very positive, and I hope you're, uh, if you're in that kind of position where you're feeling overwhelmed as a parent, as you know, especially young parents, young parents, you have first-time parents, Parenting can be overwhelming. So if you're in that position and looking for some help and looking for some guidance, please reach out to her. You know, your, her website will be in the description, as I mentioned. And let's let's see if we can't make some kind of progress in the world. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the program. Come on back. Subscribe. Tell your friends about it. Go to my YouTube channel. Subscribe there. Uh, and uh, questions and comments for me, especially if it's hate mail, info at MindDogTV.com, info at MindDogTV.com. TV.com till tonight when uh, my special guest will be Freddie Stover, Freedie Stover. I'm sorry, Freddie, Freddie Stover, <laughs> uh, Lady Blues singer. Uh, it's at 8 p.m. Eastern. I do appreciate you uh, coming back and I hope you have a great rest of your day. And until then, I'm Matt Neville for the Mind Milk TV podcast. Thanks for coming in. Bye for now. Now is all that's real.